We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Hey, it's Will. I'm in the Thrillist office. I'm going to walk around and ask some of my colleagues what they know about natural wine. I would guess it's less processed. I don't know how wine is made really, though, so I don't know what that means. I know that there's something about sulfates and sediment and the process of how it's grown and made. But beyond that, not really. For me, it's kind of like a taste of memories because I'm, I'm, I grew up in, in the south of Italy. And the norm was not buying wine at the grocery store or at the wine shop, but was going to the guy that was producing the wine locally. You know that back taste of um, sulfate that kind of like goes into your nose when you drink like shitty wine? That's the taste that you don't find in natural wine. I know that it tastes like kind of funkier and it looks a little different. It has like sort of sediment and it looks kind of cloudy. I do love drinking natural wine. There's a really good natural wine store by my apartment that I got very lucky to have open recently, which is nice because it's delicious. I don't like it very much. It tastes a little too from the earth for me. I know it's out there. I've seen it, but I don't know if I've like actually bought it. I normally just go for the cheapest thing, so I'm guessing it's not natural. I think natural wine is something someone makes in their basement and that they sell to their friends for some cheap money. Like it's just like a funkiness to a natural wine that like makes it really unique and interesting and just like a wine that sings, baby. Welcome to Thrillist Best and the Rest. So what you just heard was a group of my colleagues trying to define natural wine, or as I definitely like to call it, natty wine. Uh, If you pay even the slightest amount of attention to the wine world, or have gone outside in Brooklyn, New York in the past year, you'll notice natural wine is kind of everywhere. If you drink wine regularly, it's hard to miss. But still, obviously, plenty of confusion around what it means to be natural. So I'm here today with Jenny Lefcourt. Natural wine importer via her company, Jenny and Francois Selections. Hey, Jenny. How are you? Hi. And Lena Matson, GM and wine director at June in Cobble Hill. That's a great bar. I had a date there once. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah. Many do. The date went horribly, though. Wow. But it wasn't June's fault at Thank all. You. It was great. <laughs> so how are you guys doing today? <laughs> great. We're good. Terrific. Awesome. We're so Happy to be here. We're going to go in a little more in depth on this in a little bit. But I want to ask you about your businesses, starting with you, Jenny. Uh, Jenny and Francois Selections. What is that exactly? I am a wine importer, so we select wines all over the world now and import them to the U.S., and then I sell them to stores and restaurants in New York with my team here and then to distributors in other states. So, yeah, it's a selection process. It's a curation of a portfolio of wines, and my company is 20 years old now. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> Almost legal to drink. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> and Elena, the, a little bit about June besides the fact that it's a great place to have a good or bad date. Correct. June is Brooklyn's very first natural wine bar. Opened a little over five years ago in Cobble Hill. We did compost. So the sustainability goes beyond just the wine as well. Awesome. So without giving too much information out about your personal life, how often do you drink wine at 10 a.m. like we're doing right now at the time of this taping? 
pretty often, actually. Really? Pretty often. Yeah. This is, all right. I, Yesterday. Uh, for, once, <laughs> for once, I'm the one that uh, <laughs> drinks less than the guests. Um, so I think wine is something that makes people feel intimidated, inferior. Um, I think that people often are scared to ask questions about wine because they think it makes them seem less intelligent, less sophisticated. It's like kind of like the economy. Everyone pretends like they know how it works. No one really knows how it works. So I guess today I want you to kind of be here to break down those walls. Um, also drink a lot of great wine early in the morning. In a little bit, we're going to be taste testing and recommending some surprisingly inexpensive and they look delicious wines uh, that everyone out there could go out and buy. But um, there's definitely a lot of confusion around what Natty Wine actually is. So I think, first off, can you tell me, am I correct in my assumption that natural wine is more of a concept, more of an ideal than an actual designation? So there isn't a governmental label for natural wine. Mm -hmm. However, there are certifications for organically grown grapes or biodynamically grown grapes. So that's sort of the basis of natural wine is first and foremost what happens in the vines. Okay. So there's no synthetic chemicals used in the vines. Okay. Something that people don't really realize. Most wine is made with grapes that are not grown organically. Sure. It's pretty rare to find organic wineries. Like in France, for example, I don't have the exact percentage, but it's something like less than 5% of all wineries grow organic grapes. And do you know like how American wines, like Napa wines, stack up against that kind of statistic? There's very, very few. Interesting. So, yeah, so that's the base. And then those organic grapes or biodynamically grown grapes are brought to the cellar and the wine is made and there's hundreds of additives that are legal in winemaking. Right. And so usually the way people make wine is to take the grapes add sulfites to the grapes themselves to kill off bacteria. And what yeast. are sulfites exactly? Because I know that word comes up a mm. lot, you know, when you when you talk about wine in general, but also natural it's wine. A, it's a preservative. It's used in many things. Like mm -hmm. if you ever bought apricots, like the only reason they're the pretty color is because they have lots of sulfites on them. Mm -hmm. If you buy apricots without it, they're brown. It's a preservative. Okay. So there's nothing like necessarily wrong with preservative, but so most wine is made um, kill off the indigenous yeast, kill off any bacteria, and then buy a lab yeast. This is rather technical. But no, it's fine. <laughs> I mean, that's why, that's why you're here, honestly. I mean, essentially, wine or natural wine is organically grown grapes that are then in the cellar. There's none or very few of those hundreds of additives that are permissible in wine making right. that aren't listed on the label, which is a big scandal of the wine, <laughs> wine world. So it's not so much that, you know, there should be a label for natural wine, and yeah. there should be all of these millions of additives listed on the back label, and they're not. But there's not in, in quote-unquote conventional wine. So it makes it backwards. Yeah. I mean, that actually brings up a good point. When did uh, unnatural wine become the norm? The agricultural revolution, when we wanted to produce the most, the easiest, the quickest, you know, very American concept. Mm -hmm. um, and rightfully so, right? Recovering from wars, things like that. But there then became a disconnect from something that's like truly genuine and a real craft and a love and appreciation of the land. Wine then became a commodity. Yeah, I mean, you can't blame farmers for wanting to make their life easier. Sure, and so yeah. bringing chemicals into the vines was to make things easier, right. you know, initially. Um, and is it necessarily a bad thing? It is. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, it pollutes the earth. So, I mean, I personally eat organic 
yeah, yeah outside I mean, wine as it's, well. It's, you know, on a real basic level, I talk about it like eating McDonald's every day versus eating organic food. You can eat McDonald's and it's okay. You're not a bad person. Thank you. Yeah. You're, you're <laughs> But also in this day and age, you're very aware that you're consuming a product that's full of chemicals. It's not 100% meat or potatoes or whatever it may be. And it has been pumped with stuff, you know, fats and acids and sugars that are really attractive to our palate. So you just know that you're consuming that. We don't necessarily know that we're consuming that with wine. And so... I love Coca-Cola. I eat candy, right? I'm yeah. not a purist, and I think that's really important to acknowledge, too. Agreed. I mean, I also don't yeah. go to McDonald's, but... Once a know. year. Yeah, I Once mean... Yeah. <laughs> what do you order? You know, the regular Big Mac. Big Mac, fries, yeah. Fries, Coke. <laughs> Selena, when, you, when you're describing the flavor profiles of natural wine versus uh, conventional wine, is that the way that we should call uh, the standard of wine that's unnatural? Conventional, is that the right word? That's what I use, conventional. Um, How would you describe the differences between, um, like, even literally how they taste? Natural wines are living. So when you just think about that while you're drinking, you taste that, that there's electricity in the wines. There's something vibrant. There's something changing. You know, if you sit with a bottle for an hour or two, you really shouldn't sit more than that with one bottle. But, yeah. you, you know, you can see the wine. <laughs> I never do. Yeah. <laughs> Doing something wrong then. Um, but you can see the wine, feel the wine change over time. And that's a really exciting thing, too. It's living as something should, right? It shouldn't stay solid forever. It's mm-hmm. a living product that and eventually should die. So we consume it when it's at its peak. When you talk about the flavor changing and and being alive, do you mean it actually changes from sip to sip, from glass to glass? Um, Yeah, the contact with oxygen makes a huge difference for some wines. Right. Um, The temperature will make a difference. The mouthfeel just continuously changes, and that's what's really exciting. Like, arguably, the best sip of wine is the very last sip, assuming that the wine isn't filtered. Yeah. Um, via like fish bladders, like conventional wine, which is not vegetarian. <laughs> uh, ew. Is all natural wine organic, but not all organic wine is natural? Uh, so natural is applying to both in the vines and in the cellar. Organics is simply how you're treating the grapes and or fruit okay. out in the right. wild. Okay. So a wine doesn't have to be natural, and most of them are not. Right. So when someone says organic wine, they're really talking about how the grapes are cultivated and not the process of making the wine. Yeah. And even in the States, it's really tricky. There's like a few different ways that you can say it. You can say made from organic grapes or sourced from organically produced grapes or Mm -hmm. something like that. There's also 100% organic wine. Yes. And these are all completely different things. That's why I wanted to bring you guys up. Yeah, us as well, though. There's no really rhyme or reason except for probably, you know, money and politics behind it, unfortunately. So that's very confusing. There's different ways that organic can be on the label. And at the end of the day, that wine is, you know, hyper conventional. Yeah, totally. So if it's like 100% organic wine, that does mean it doesn't have additives, but it could be like filtered to death. Right. And like, you know, cooled down, heated up, water extracted from it. There's all kinds of things that could be done to it anyway, which is why we say there really isn't a label for natural wine because Mm -hmm. 100% organic wine, in the end, it's not what it should be. But that's a little 
disheartening to say, oh, you can't even count on reading organic on a label. Mm -hmm. What you can count on is an importer and distributor. So working off the back label. And so actually that is what a label can give you. As in, a, like, you know, Jenny and Francois. Yeah, you go to a store, you don't have to know anything about wine, but if you go in knowing that if you find a wine that has the Jenny and Francois label, that you are getting something natural and genuine and within a small spectrum of naturalness. Mm -hmm. And that depends on regions, producers, where they're at in their lives and careers. Yeah, and another thing I want to ask you is about um, biodynamic that term I, I hear a lot at natural wine bars. Um, can you describe that? Because I've heard things about a buried cow skull filled with manure. I mean, Close. is this Close. are these rumors? Are these true? These are true. But okay. The basic concept is rather than just not putting chemicals into the ground mm -hmm. um, in an organic vineyard, it's making sure that the earth is alive. Right. And what do you mean by helping that? the earth to be alive. Um, you can look at an organic vineyard and it can be very neat and pretty, but you can go to a biodynamic uh, winery and see a huge variety of flora, fauna, life, bees. Right, okay. And the idea is to create biodiversity and biodiversity is something we're losing now. Mm -hmm. So a little bit less control than manicured as far as how, how the grapes are grown, how it's harvested. It's really facilitating and helping life. Yeah, a self-sustaining community, basically. So where plants and animals are all living harmoniously and benefiting off of each other. Yeah, does it run with the lunar cycles? That is also something that someone told me. That's also something that biodynamic producers pay a lot of attention to. And it's common sense farming. Yeah. Because, you know, you pay attention to when the sap goes up in a tree. Like, mm -hmm. you know when to prune. You're not going to prune when, you know, spring is happening. Yeah. And, you know, you're going to wound the vine. So, I mean, lunar cycles also influence that. It's easy for people to say, oh, it's a little bit hippy-dippy. But, sure. you know, you don't have to be doing your tarot cards while you're harvesting the grapes, but um, kind of, again, it's this respect for the earth. Okay, if the earth is giving right now, then you take, and if the earth is wanting, you give to it, and yeah. working together. Would you say that um, biodynamic wine, and I don't mean this in a pejorative, but is the most extreme type of natural wine? Not necessarily. It really depends on the winemaker, I would say, because... You know, there's different philosophies, for example, on filtering, mm -hmm. on sulfites. Um, can a natural wine contain sulfites? It can, you know, and I have no problem with a winemaker using some sulfites. It's up to them if mm -hmm. they feel like their wine needs it. But there's a difference between 20 milligrams per liter and 200 milligrams per liter. Sure. And you can taste it. You can feel it. It affects how the wine is and the pleasure of the wine yeah. to me. <laughs> cool. Uh, okay, so speaking of wine, which <laughs> that's what I'm talking about, um, <laughs> we are going to taste some of these wines in front of us. They look great. Right after this quick break. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see... We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. 
We are back, and I'm actually I'm ready to try some wine for sure. Uh, what would you like to start with? I especially wanted to show what this looks like because I think that you know, there's lots of stuff floating right. in it. Yeah, if you're listening, this is what I would call an orange wine, and we'll get into that definition. Um, and it does have a lot of sediment inside of it, and I think that's one um, of the things that people associate with all natural wines, but not all natural wine has sediment in it. Is that correct? No. Right. Correct. Correct. Um, and what is that? You know, it hasn't been filtered, uh-huh. so there's some good stuff in there yeah. <laughs> that hasn't been taken out. What is that good and, stuff exactly? Yeah, it's part of the grapes. Okay. Oh, this is fermented grape juice. Yeah. It's kind of like pulp. So, Kind of like, you know, if you buy a apple cider that's not filtered, you're going to have some sediment sure. in the bottom. Definitely. So, you know, this looks cloudy. Yeah. And... Um, Do you think that kind of deters some people? Have you, have you had that in your experience? I think that, you know, especially people who have been drinking more conventional wines for many years might look at it and say, what is that? Why yeah. is that? Something's wrong with it. Exactly. To me, I look at it, it's this gorgeous... Mm-hmm. <laughs> Amber so color. Excited. That's what you're looking for. Like, yeah. Oh, they haven't taken the good stuff out. Right. So um, there's different varying opinions, and it's also about taste. Some people prefer a filtered wine. Mm-hmm. For me, this is more complex. There's more going on. So I mentioned the orange wine. A bartender didn't yell at me, but they kind of were like, "You're not really supposed to call it orange wine." Uh, Lena, is that is that true? Well, first of all. He's a jerk. You can call yeah. it whatever you want. <laughs> right. and, you know, and it was a dude. <laughs> yeah, you're exactly right. <laughs> it's orange wine. It's skin contact. It's amber. It's, you know, it's mm-hmm. different depending on who you ask. It's uh, macerated white wine. I mean, at the end of the day, it's... Orange is a lot easier white than grapes. Also. Correct. <laughs> grapes, yeah. But, uh, so for example, on my wine list, I have it as skin contact. Okay. And it used to be orange, but then... I had a lot of questions um, if it was made from oranges. Mm-hmm. It's quite literally orange. So I changed it to skin contact, which means the skin of the grape is in contact with the juice, which then takes the color, which is how red wine is made. Okay. And orange wine, skin contact wine, in general, is very popular right now. Am I right in that? Yes. It is popular. Um, it's a white wine with a little more texture to it. Yeah. Yeah. It's best of both worlds, right? You get kind of the structure of a red wine, but the freshness of a white wine. So these orange wines are skin contact. They're not always orange, too, depending on the skin color. Yeah. Um, like Pinot Grigios, a lot of them can be very pink or red, um, sometimes a very deep amber. But it's the same concept. It's just sitting with the skins. Why do you think there's been kind of a surge in popularity? Of orange wines. I think it goes hand in hand with the rise of the natural wine movement, just this awareness that you don't have to filter a wine, that Mm -hmm. a wine can look different. And it's a kind of more extreme version of that. It's beautiful looking. Yeah. Yeah. We should try it. Yes. I'm ready. (laughs) I'm very ready. So this also has a bottle cap. Right. Which is, woo. It's it's overflowing a little bit, but you you have some good reflexes on that. I feel like you've done this before. (laughs) Additionally, though, you know, the sediment. Thank you. Is active. So when she was moving the bottle around a little mm-hmm. bit, it kind of woke the wine up. <laughs> I love that. Okay, cheers. Hey, cheers. first class. Cheers. Thanks again for coming on. This mm-hmm. looks great. So this comes from Italy. Yeah. And what brand is this? It comes from Puglia. It's okay. a brand. Uh, the name is Calcarius. Calcarius. It's made by a woman named Valentina Pasolacqua. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> Valentina, if you're listening, uh, thank she, you for this. She's awesome. And she's from the region. She had left and gone off to London and was going to be a big shot mm-hmm. in a big 
city and then decided to go home to her hometown once she had a daughter. Yeah. And she makes these beautiful wines, which are completely unique for the region. There's nothing like it there. Very cool. It does seem like kind of investigating some of these natural winemakers. They oftentimes have a very interesting story that kind of goes along with their wine. Have you found that to be the case? Yeah, that and that's what I relate to. You know, there's tons of great wine, so it's the feeling and the stories behind it and the connections with these growers because you have the opportunity to have an actual personal connection with them. Right. Um, but yeah, the stories are interesting because who is going to just choose for fun to work outside alone and <laughs> risk losing everything always, right? Yeah. By natural winemakers, I mean, it's fine to talk about chemicals and we're anti this, but that's also very risky, right? And this is their livelihood. So there's often really cool stories behind these people because they are very unique human beings that have chosen this path. Yeah. For the people at home, I just want to spell this out so they can try it. Uh, Calcarius, C-A-L-C-A-R-I-U-S. It's really good. I feel it's very refreshing. It has kind of a tartness that's really nice. It kind of tastes like breakfast. You know, it's very bright and soft, like a little sunshiny, um, you know, a little orangey, which is, uh, yeah. uh, but really kind <laughs> yeah. of like Citrus. sunny D that has a little bit, you know, more tartness and yeah, but just really soft and approachable. I've been searching my whole life for an alcoholic Sunny D, as I'm sure many of our listeners have too. Um, You're welcome. Kind of yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> exactly. That's awesome. So uh, I think that in this century, we've seen a rise in people, specifically young people, seeking out craft beers, uh, looking for organic sources of food, consuming things that have a more natural or, I don't really like this word, but artisanal lean. Um, it seems like wine has kind of caught up to that in this natural wine movement. How do you think people's tastes in general, especially pertaining to wine, are different than they were 10, 20 years ago? Well, when I started 20 years ago, it was a very different wine world, right. much more conservative. There were sort of the, these um, retail shops in New York that had been around for a few generations, mm -hmm. Italian owned. And there weren't all these many, many smaller boutique shops. And there certainly weren't any natural wine bars like right. June. People didn't really want to hear so much about the technical, like how the wine is made and anything yeah. about sulfites and filtering and all that. So I just like went around town opening the wines for people. But I think the real true wine professionals of the time would taste with their palates and say, hey, this knocks my socks off. Yeah. This is something so unique and delicious. Um, so even then, you know, there was a recognition that something special was in the bottle. Yeah. And Jenny, you were one of the first people really, in, at least in the States, to be a proponent of natural wine and, and pour it and bring it in and try to let people taste it and see for themselves yeah. how great it was, right? Yeah, it started as a very French movement. And mm -hmm. so in the beginning, we were an all-French company. And um, I mean, there certainly weren't pet nuts and orange wine. But when I brought in like the second one I'd love to taste today. I would, yes. Is a, we can get started on that also. A Remy, Remy du Fetre, a Premise Beaujolais Village. And, um, we'll list the names of these wines also <laughs> in our description. So, so them easily. I yeah. mean, light reds with a lot of acidity was kind of what brought me initially to natural wine, uh -huh. along with Chenin Blanc and the Loire. But I thought wine was supposed to be big and a lot of alcohol yeah. and very kind of 
jammy, and I didn't really like that, and so I didn't think I liked wine. And then when I was in France, I went study film and literature and go to wine bars. Yeah, and <laughs> that sounds pretty great. <laughs> and so when I started tasting these lighter, brighter, higher acid wines with dinner or with lunch. Mm-hmm. I was like, what is this? This yeah. is crazy. It tastes so good. Right. And so that was kind of the beginning. So red wines from the Loire Valley and from Beaujolais were kind of the open the door to natural wine for me, for my palate, just because it's tasted good. Totally. What I would also say is that, you know, um, Americans mm-hmm. specifically versus other cultures I've never really developed uh, taste mm-hmm. and that's starting to change, right? We Organic food and that was the first thing and then being open to something not being one specific way, like a light-bodied red, that it doesn't yeah. have to taste oaky and it's fine if you like that too. And the popular wines in the 90s, if I'm not mistaken, were kind of a very rich, very clean, flawless, like like if Pierce Brosnan was a wine, yeah, that would be the kind that he was. While as these are, you know, like you were saying, Lane, is they're a little bit more dynamic, they're a little bit more fun, they're a little bit more um, alive. Yeah, that's awesome. And and what are we drinking right here? It's it's red for sure. I can confirm that <laughs> in my own expertise. This is made from the Gamay grape, okay, which is a generally a fruitier, lighter grape. But uh, the winemaker, Remy Dufet, mm-hmm. has this wonderful light touch. Um, is is Gamay the uh, name of the varietal? Gamay. Gamay, okay. Often found in the Beaujolais region. Beaujolais is made from Gamay. This is really interesting. Hmm. And, uh, how can you, uh, do you want to describe what you taste in this wine? I mean, it has this kind of um, raspberry thing going on. But mm-hmm. besides that, you know, we all have different palates. Mine's really muted. My asthma and allergies and four <laughs> cats. Uh, yeah, I feel that. <laughs> no, but... Am I inhaling my pocket? I'm with yeah. you. Yeah. I think this has like a touch of like a grittiness, which is really nice. But this high acid and, you know, the temperature that this is at right now. Mm. It's, uh, it's a little chilled. Yeah, yeah. That's my most popular section on my wine list. It is very tasty, and, you know, we were talking about the cloudiness. I think that's one thing that people associate with natural wine. I think also, like, um, a- another word that comes out a lot is funkiness, but that's not necessarily true, right? It's it's almost like any other type of varietal that you like with conventional wines. You can find an analog in the natural world. Is that fair to say? Yes, you can find anything. Natural wine does not mean funky or weird mm-hmm. or cloudy right. or any of these things. It doesn't have to be weird to be natural and for me that's kind of the coolest thing finding chardonnays from california that i like i love that because we all hate california chardonnays right so to find we here americans (laughs) i don't know you know lots of people oaky yeah flabby (laughs) you ask people what you don't like people will say that or sweet rieslings or something so that challenge is the coolest thing for me to not like a grape and then start loving it and drink chardonnay many years ago and now it's one of my favorite grapes and i love showing that to other people too they say they don't like chardonnay and i pour them chardonnay and they're like oh my god it's amazing chardonnay because it's such a broad descriptor there's a lot of nuances within that world well and chardonnay is one of the most adaptable grapes so depending where in the world you are growing it you know that terroir the entire environment around it um and then also the winemaker and yeah, it, it's so nuanced. Totally. 
And it's true that the word funky sometimes hides a fault. You sure. know, uh, there's a lot of wines, either conventional or natural, which I don't like. You know, not every wine is well made. Yeah. And so sometimes it's not pleasurable. Definitely. Um, we're all about pleasure here. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, uh, we're going to take another quick break. Uh, when we come back, we're going to try the final two bottles and ask more questions. So stick around. Okay, so we're back. Uh, I, I want to ask you guys a quick question. I have to say, a lot of the time when I go into a wine store or, um, you know, even at a restaurant, a bar, a wine bar, I just kind of look at the label. <laughs> I just go with yeah. what label I think is uh, <laughs> most interesting or uh, the prettiest. Is that a wrong way to go about it? Do you guys ever feel that same way? Labels are important. Yeah. yeah. You know? right. That's like everyone judges with their eyes. Right. And, can uh, you judge a wine by its label? So to speak. Well, wine can be horrible and have a nice life. <laughs> Correct. Or vice right. versa. Or vice versa. Yeah. You know, I'm luckier working in a wine bar. It's sure everyone wants to Instagram everything. So that's still part of it. Mm-hmm. But people are purchasing off of the list, not photos, um, not a visual yeah. aspect. But in France, they do. You know, it's often actually all the bottles are on the wall because you can purchase them to go as well. Sure. Um, God, that's great. You know, so many natural wines specifically have amazing labels. Yeah. We should open up another one, please. Yeah. I would and love speaking to. Speaking of labels. Yeah, exactly. Coppich <laughs> has an amazing label, I think. So. Pastoral. Uh, it's Some grapes, some sailboats. Uh, nice shade of green. A nice Kelly green, I would say. Yes. This is uh, super special for me. Uh, so this is Alex and Maria Kopich. Out of Bergenland, Austria. Okay. I worked harvest for them this past September. You actually harvested some grapes for them? Yeah. What was that like? Amazing. I got a gym membership before I went so I could be prepared. (laughs) (laughs) Is it that strenuous? Well, I was really nervous. I didn't want to be a wimp, you know, or complaining or anything. Um, It is. It's physical. I mean, look at, you know, (laughs) I took these off before I went. Yeah, very manicured uh, nails. Uh, (laughs) That didn't fly? No, no. No, okay. So they're amazing. I'm obsessed with them. Anyone that knows me or June Wine Bar knows Kopich because... They are basically my family now. Um, met them a few years ago on a trip with Jenny and Francois to Austria, which I fell in love with. And they're just incredibly infectious, wonderful people. And their wines are bright and fun. They have multiple lines of wine. Um, this is called Ret. How do you spell that? R-E-T. And yeah, so the front label shows some sailboats on Lake Neusiedl, which they are situated on. Huge, beautiful lake. Stunning um, and really great microclimate around the lake. I would buy that wine based on its label. Yeah. Enjoy that label. She worked hard on this label. Yeah, yeah, they're, <laughs> yeah they're awesome. This wine is really fun. Would you describe this one as funky? Am I wrong here? You know, definitely the nose. Okay, let's talk yeah. about the nose first. It's a little like poopy, barnyardy, mm-hmm. but like... Not in a bad way. No, it's not yeah. a bad thing. Like... Well, so that kind of smell is often when you first open a wine, sometimes it's a little bit closed. Mm -hmm. A wine is all about how much oxygen you let in and how much you don't let in. Right. You know, if there's too much oxygen, the wine can fall apart. But too little oxygen, sometimes it's a little bit closed down. And so if you just like twirl your glass around, that can blow off. Right. So the spinning of glasses isn't to An look affectation. bougie. Yeah. And, you know, like, <laughs> Although it I'm does look fancy. very bougie as um, I do it right in front spin. of me. So, yeah, this 
wine. You could say it's a little tight right now, and then that is going to blow off as this wine is exposed to oxygen. I'm not going to put this in a decanter. It doesn't need mm-hmm. that, but it just, it's open, and now in five minutes, it's going to be singing. What do you mean by singing? Singing. I like it's that. Perfect. No. It's yeah. Gonna, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's going to blow off, and you're going to get something else. Yeah. If I sit here long enough and so, twirl long enough. <laughs> So um, at, talking a little bit about Jenny and Francois selections, uh, what do you look for from a winemaker? Like, you know, what, what is, do they, do they pitch themselves to you? Do you seek them out? Um, it's a little of everything, uh, usually word of mouth or, mm-hmm. I mean, I get so many solicitations, it's hard to even like open the emails yeah. <laughs> or bottles sent to us. But That must be nice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but what I look for is my pleasure, really. Mm-hmm. And for me... I recognize what a natural wine is. I recognize that it's alive. I recognize the mouthfeel. That's what it's about. And so, you know, there's many different ways. You're not going to compare a $15 on the shelf wine with $50. It's, you know, you're looking for something different in terms yeah. of price point and what the wine is. I think we have to bring this up. Not to bring politics into it, but, I mean, politics isn't everything now. I know, Jen, you had a byline in the Times, um, the insanity of Trump's wine tariff. Yes. Can you explain a little bit about um, what the wine tariff is and how that affects people like you and also people like us who just like to enjoy natural wine? So um, because of a conflict between Airbus and Boeing, Mm -hmm. the World Trade Organization is allowing the U.S. to retaliate with tariffs against Europe because Europe gives subsidies to Airbus. So what does this have to do with wine? Nothing. But the threat was, oh, we should put a 100% tariff on wine. I don't think anyone would pay 100% more for any of these wines, really. As much as I love them, you know, it'd be tough. (laughs) Um, So I think it basically would have killed off importers, distributors, uh, wine bars like June, retailers. Um, it would have destroyed a three-tier uh, industry. So I've been in D.C. fighting this tariff, and we just got word that it's at least postponed, if not canceled. But okay. the threat is still there, and there's still a 25% tariff since October on French, German, and Spanish wine. Yikes. It's hard times. It's right. no fun. <laughs> no, that's, that's awful. Hopefully that doesn't end up going through so we can continue enjoying these without that 100% markup. Absolutely. That's quite a lot. Write your representative and say no wine terrace. <laughs> yeah. Easy to do. crack open a bottle and just start mailing letters. That's the best way to do it. So the fourth and final wine, Lena, do you want to describe wh- yeah. what is this exactly? So this is Christian Cheetah. Okay. Also Great from, name. Yes. Love it. Um, also from Bergenland, Austria. Uh, it's called Himmel auf Erden. Okay. Which means heaven on earth. I have an Austrian lover, so I'm learning German. <laughs> um, <laughs> And it is his skin contact. Um, okay. So he'll do a white, rosé, and red as well. So this is another quote-unquote orange. Correct. But a still one as opposed to the sparkling. Got it. Okay, so you spin your glass right now? Yeah, I, I, the spinning. So oh, what does that exactly do? Wait. How? No, I, it's, it's fascinating. You okay. are spinning clockwise. Okay. Almost everyone spins counterclockwise, and mm. Christian really believes that you should spin clockwise because you're turning with the earth, and then the wine is going to show its best, and he's a self-proclaimed genius. Um, <laughs> he's, okay. He's a should character. we take his word for that? Yeah. Well, if, I do. if we he agrees should. with what I'm doing, we I have should. to say, yeah, probably a genius. He is one of the most genius winemakers out there, <laughs> he, in he my is. humble opinion. He's, Yeah. 
<laughs> uh, so, and I also want to talk to you about um, the rise in natural wine bars with the rise of natural wine. So what would you look for in a quote-unquote good natural wine bar for the people out there listening all over the country? I'm looking for diversity of producers and regions. I'm looking for knowledgeable staff. I'm looking for staff that's excited about what they're doing. Natural wine has made its way across the country. You know, I'm going to Florida this weekend for the first time in my life. Uh, Tampa. Congratulations. I look, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I looked up, you know, natural wine in Tampa. Yeah. And what did you find? <laughs> there's there. a few places. There yeah, yeah, there's a wild. few places. Yeah, right. and yeah. I'm really excited. And I'm just... I, you know, I'm going for my cousin's wedding, but I'm going to sneak away and like <laughs> just talk about natural wine and how people are receiving it down there mm-hmm. and what they're drinking, you know, what they have access to as well. Yeah. Jenny, someone that's that's been doing this for a couple of decades, um, were there any natural wine bars like when you started? Like, have you just seen this entire movement just take off? There were no natural wine bars. Yeah. Um, you know, it was my pleasure and honor to like, walk around trying to educate people and to anyone who would listen. It was a French movement. It's become a world movement. Mm -hmm. Um, There are so many knowledgeable people now (laughs) um, in terms of natural wine. And we're so lucky to have places like June where we can hang out and just present the wines to somebody who knows what she's talking about. And there's just a huge generation of wine lovers who have really embraced this movement. Yeah, Yeah, they totally have. Um, really important to point out that it's only really because of Jenny that I get to do what I do and drink what I want and that kind of America is exposed to natural wine. Like so much of it is due to this woman. So even just to be sitting here, <laughs> just to be sitting here with her right now is oh, an absolute you. honor and privilege. And um, the best. That's you know, great. I consider her a friend, but I also she's complete role model idol. Look at us drinking wine, getting <laughs> sentimental with each other. <laughs> um, this glass in front of us um, that I've been sipping on uh, as we've been talking, uh, to me, I, I love it, as I've loved all of them. This seems the most muted, and I don't mean that in a bad way. It just it seems to be like, uh, I don't want to say weakest, but it doesn't have all of those flavors that are immediately jumping out. And I, I really like it. Um, would you say that's fair to say? Yeah, it's a little softer. It's not yeah. kind of crazy piercing acidity. Right. I think that's funny, too, because... This has no sulfurs, mm-hmm. and maybe the most hardcore natural of all of these wines. Would you say there are any tangible downsides of natural wine versus conventional wine? I think the biggest downside is that there's not rules and regulations, which is also the benefit, right? Mm-hmm. That you know we're not living in this stagnant world, but it allows for poor winemaking to get confused with natural winemaking, and... It's not any consumer's fault that they cling on to buzzwords like funky. Yeah. But when people are seeking out faults and then attributing that as natural wine, then there's a disconnect and it damages our reputation. And there's so much benefit in traditional wine knowledge, which I have as well. I didn't jump into natural wine. I got into wine. Yeah. And... Not having a clear defined definition allows for lots of mishaps or confusion. And that's what's most difficult for me, um, seeing criticism from actually older people you sure. know, that see it as a young alternative movement. And it's, you know. <laughs> like some radical movement, yeah, right? When it's, it's the opposite. It's, yeah, yeah, it's complete opposite. Yeah. Sure. 
Well, it's radical in that it's a risk to work this way. And it's not like economically more advantageous Mm -hmm. for people working in the vines that way. It takes a lot of work and a lot of labor. And then making the wine is more of a risk than to like have a formula where you add sulfites, add tartric acid, add sugar. Sure, which which could make business sense, really. It makes business sense. I mean, the radical part of it is that it's kind of outside you know, a specific rationality of capitalism. But then, you know, I mean, so you really, I mean, winemakers really have to be believers. And we who sell this wine have to believe in their project. And their project is also ecological and something I believe strongly in. But then it's also pleasure. And so, you know, we're both very serious about curating our lists. But then to see um, people bringing in wines that are just messed up, and saying, oh, well, these are natural wines, and then people confusing that with all this hard work that these producers are doing, that's that's kind of the downside, I would say. Got it. Okay. Um, so as I pour one more glass of this calcareous, which I think is my favorite <laughs> of the bunch, I have to say. So my last question, do you think that natural wine will be a fleeting trend? Do you think it'll be one of the things where people, you know, 30 years from now will make a movie about the year 2019 and kind of have a natural wine bar in as a trope? Mm-hmm. Or do you think that natural wine in the process of making natural wine will ever just become the norm where we won't call it natural wine, we'll just call it wine, and the reverse of that will be an anomaly? Um, I mean, I think that with global warming, there's, there's no turning back from responsible farming mm-hmm. and responsible viticulture. So the short answer is this can't be a trend because we all need to change our ways and we need to save our planet. Wineries are the biggest polluter in France, for example. Mm -hmm. People don't think about that because they think about the beautiful vines. No, these are like huge, huge polluters. Yeah, Rick Steves never mentioned that (laughs) when he goes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So that's number one. And number two, it's just people are becoming more and more educated. It's a young market in terms of wine consumption and traditions around wine are still young in this country. So I only see more expansion of natural wine drinking and the pleasure surrounding appreciating a bottle of natural wine. Yeah, absolutely. It's only moving forward 100%. The only thing that could change is kind of this, you know, influencer Instagram kind of fetishizing professionals, um, which I do and I love. I I love (laughs) these winemakers. I sometimes reference myself as a natty wine hype woman and I am. <laughs> the flavor flavor of natty wine. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And like sometimes flavor Flav is on the playlist at my wine bar. So you know, Club June. Perfect. Um but I love being a fan. I love being excited about these winemakers. You know, I mean this is my whole world, so that's one thing. But um I think that trend of it being the cool thing mm-hmm. might adjust at some point, and that's fine. You Which know. might be a good thing for the natural yeah. wine, Correct. really. Correct, yeah. Correct. Correct. because it being so cool has allowed for some confusion, whatever. But, yeah. <laughs> totally. No, that makes sense. Okay, um, this was great. Thank you again, uh, Jenny and Francois Selections. Look for the label on the back of National Wine. Thanks so much for having um, me. Thank you for having yeah, us. Yeah, and uh, June Wine Bar in Cabo Hill, Brooklyn, if you're ever there. It's a must visit, especially if you love natural wine, of Dates course. Dates or not. <laughs> yeah, dates or not. And do you have an Instagram that you want to plug? Uh, Lena Boo. Lena <laughs> two underscores boo. <laughs> there, you go. there we go. And Jenny, is there, is there a social media or a website? Jenny Francois is our Instagram. Cool. 
And while I'm here, at Will Fulton, on Twitter and Instagram. Um, Be our friends. This was awesome. So enjoy natural wine. Swirl your glasses clockwise if you Cheers. can. I also think that this is the first podcast that we've done where no one's cursed. Ah. Which is fucking <laughs> awesome, in my opinion. <laughs> but thank you guys for coming on so much. This was great. One last cheers. One last cheers. drink. What thank a great way to start off the morning. Thank you guys so much. Okay, thank you so much for listening. We're 20 episodes in, so it's the end of season one. But we will be back for season two, so make sure you subscribe to our channel so you can get more updates on season two. You'll be hearing from us soon. I want to thank Megan Kirsch and Ocean McAdams on the Thrillist side for making all this happen. Brett Kushner, David Zwick, and Emily Feld, our Group 9 fam. My podcast partner in crime, Molly Schulson, who produced this episode. iHeartRadio's Mangesh Hatakudor. Our editor, Randy Scott Carroll. And big thanks to our engineer this week, Will Stanton, for mixing this episode. You gotta mix it, so it makes it sound good. Good.